Scaling Up Nation, when was the last time you thought about your insurance coverage? For me, it is not very often, but I know for a fact that you sleep soundly at night knowing that you have it. That means it's important and that means you need to understand what it is that you have. It means you need to understand where your liability is and you need someone that you can trust to have that conversation with. Several years ago, I met Mike Hyam at an AWT convention of McGowan Insurance Group. And at the time, I had our insurance through a local broker who is an extremely nice guy and we had had our auto policies with him for years. And when I started my company, I naturally called him and he got us coverage. The thing is, he did not understand the water treatment industry. So he was giving us the best coverage he knew to get us without understanding the industry. I had a conversation with Mike at that convention and he asked some very good questions, questions that I didn't have the answers to. And I'm sure glad he asked those questions because folks, I did not know to ask them, but as soon as he asked them, I knew that I did not have all the coverages that I need. Think of all the coverages out there property, general liability, professional liability, workers' compensation, employee practices liability. Folks, there's even insurance for cyber liability. And I have to tell you, I did not know to ask about that one, but Mike did because this is what he does. He serves the water treatment industry and he knows that there is a potential liability because of the remote access that we do with our controllers. Not only did he get me the right coverage with the right company, he was able to give me advice on making sure that we had proper policies in effect to make sure that we were protecting ourselves and our customers. A lot of insurers can only write through one insurance carrier. McGowan Insurance Group represents dozens of carriers like Donegal Insurance. And when we go to renew, I can't tell you how awesome it is that they are able to look at multiple suppliers to make sure that we're getting the best coverage, but we're also getting the best value. I know without a doubt because McGowan Insurance Group understands the water treatment industry that we are getting that each and every time we renew with them. They do liability, benefits, bonds. They are a full service agency. Give the fine folks at McGowan Insurance Group a call today and tell them that Trace sent you or visit them on the web at mcgowaninsgrp.com. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on our knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, the host for Scaling Up H2O. And today's show is special because I wasn't going to air it. And then I had some questions from some customers and I had some questions from some fellow water treaters. And I thought, what a great opportunity 
to bring something that we did on the Rising Tide Mastermind to the Scaling Up Nation. Now, I think you know, way back when the pandemic first started, I did not feel good about things. Uh, I, I felt very hopeless and decisions were being made for me. And I felt like I couldn't do anything at first anyway. Well, then I started learning everything I could about what an employer could do during a pandemic. Of course, there's no books about that. It's just getting information where that information is. And of course, now it's a lot easier to find, but in the beginning, it wasn't. So I used a lot of colleagues that counseled me. I read everything I could. I stayed up to date on the CDC website and it was during that point that people started asking me, what am I doing so the company could continue servicing our critical systems? And that's kind of when it hit me. I wanted to be known during the pandemic for somebody that was helping other people. For those of you that know who Mr. Rogers is, and I know I'm probably dating myself with that, but he was, uh, he was a, a children's show host on PBS. And I remember just about every day I would watch him and he would go to the land of make-believe and there's a movie about him. So hopefully the, the people that have never seen Mr. Rogers have maybe seen the movie so they know what I'm talking about. But I remember an interview with Fred Rogers and he was talking about when he was a child and he would get scared when he would see something happen on the news, like an explosion, gunfire, something like that. And as a, as a little boy, he would get scared and his mom would tell him, look for all the helpers. Meaning when something happened, there were always people in there that were helping the people that were affected. And I tell you, that really meant something to me because there's those of us that don't really help, and there's some of us that that do help. And not that not that one's better than another, because I'm sure everybody has their reasons for doing what they do, but I wanted to be one of those helpers. So with that, I started a weekly webinar series with the mastermind group, the Rising Tide Mastermind. That's a group of people that we get together every week. We talk about issues that we all have, but folks, I gotta tell you, we really talked about this pandemic. We talked about what each other was doing, how we could help each other. And then we talked about what I needed to do as the facilitator to bring experts on to help educate the people within the mastermind on how we get through this pandemic. So every week I had a speaker come on and we talked about different topics. We talked about insurance risk. We've had Mike Hyam of McGowan Insurance Group who came on. We've had a good friend of mine, Austin Causey, talk about how we maintain good mental health within the pandemic. And also for those of us that have team members that work with us, how to help them maintain good mental health. We had a CFO, Mike Iverson, come on of Trillium Financial, and he helped us understand what was in the CARES Act and for those who applied for the PPP loans, what they needed to know. 
My business coach, Tim Fulton, came on to talk about five ways to effectively manage your business during this crisis. We had sales expert Adam Shapiro come on to help us understand how to do sales in a pandemic. We had another CFO, Adam Lean, come on to talk about what metrics we should be looking at, uh, not only during the pandemic, but also all the time. And we quoted Fred Drucker, things that get measured simply get better because you're looking at them. Communication crisis expert Cindy Miller came on to help us craft our messages that we were giving to our clients. HR expert Helene Grossman came on to talk about HR issues that we need to talk about during the pandemic. I did a webinar on Zoom or virtual meeting etiquette. And what I'm going to share with you today is one of those webinars. And just like all of these webinars, they came from somebody asking, I need more information about this. And we got them more information about that with the mastermind. Well, one of the questions was, we have customers that have shut their buildings down and now they're getting back online. What do we need to know about it? How do we talk to the customers about it? How do we get them good information? So I reached out to my friend, Dr. Janet Stout of Special Pathogens Laboratory, and she did a webinar for us. By the way, all of those webinars, if you go to our show notes page, scalinguph2o.com, and then you go to forward slash COVID-19, you can also navigate there by going to our resources page on the website and then going to the proactive webinar series. You can see all of those. So what I'm gonna do today, I'm going to play for you Dr. Stout's interview with me, and it's my hope that you can use this information to get yourself more information so you can have better conversations with your clients. And I also hope that you take every opportunity to look for more information out there. So I mentioned before that one of my goals is to be prepared by loading up information I told you I wanted to be a helper of other people. Well, in order to do that, I had to load up on information. So I hope you look at some of the webinars that we posted on the show notes page or on the website. But I, I do think you will enjoy this episode with Dr. Janet Stout. So let's listen. Today's webinar is brought to you by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The Rising Tide Mastermind is made up of a group of individuals that get together regularly to help each other solve our issues, but mostly to help each other get further faster in all areas of life. Whether our group or another group is the right group for you, I think now more than ever, everybody needs a group of trusted advisors. The Rising Tide Mastermind is putting on this proactive webinar series so we can focus on the things we can do and not simply worry about the things that we cannot. Our presenter today is Dr. Janet Stout of Special Pathogens Laboratory. Janet's been a great friend of the podcast, Scaling Up H2O. She shared some great information with us numerous occasions on Legionella risk and awareness. Today, Janet's going to help us understand best practices when we start up water systems that have been dormant for an extended amount of time. 
Welcome, Janet. No, thank you, Trace. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to be with your Scale Up H2O Nation. Uh, it's a wonderful day. Um, and it's actually a sunny day in Pittsburgh. So uh, lots to celebrate today. So, Janet, the question came up within the Rising Tide Mastermind. Uh, a lot of us are dealing with systems that have just been dormant for maybe well over a month. And people are thinking we've got to get back to work. We've got to get people in these buildings. And they're not thinking about all the things that have happened while the water has been stagnated. Of course, us water treaters, that's all we think about. So we appreciate your help today with helping us understand really what that issue entails and what are some best practices around that? Well, it's going to be fun, actually. Uh, it's always you. fun when you come to visit. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, so, so I think what I'm really asking your listeners to do is kind of, you know, get in the shoes of the microbes in the water a little bit, and that'll make a little bit more sense as we kind of go through it. And so I'm talking to you today about uh, the risk of Legionnaires disease in building water systems uh, after this unprecedented shutdown. And, and as most of your listeners know, I'm an infectious disease microbiologist and I'm president uh, of Special Pathogens Laboratory where we're more than a lab. Uh, we help and support water treaters all over the, the United States and others dealing with Legionella and waterborne pathogens. But the other thing that really I'd like to share is the other hat that I wear, which is as a researcher uh, with my affiliation at the University of Pittsburgh with civil environmental engineering. So that's the perspective that I bring to the problem uh, that your listeners are challenged with. And, you know, sort of speaking of challenges, um, yeah, like a huge speed bump for all of our businesses and the businesses of our clients uh, that really kind of slow us down in, in managing this situation. But, you know, we really have to keep going, right? Even with the restrictions and, you know, here I am with my, my, uh, my mask on, which I encourage everyone, although we are not wearing masks now because we are alone in, in our conference rooms, you know, please uh, practice uh, all that safe distancing and please wear wear the mask. And, and so I'm here today to really talk to you about some of the issues that make it safe or unsafe uh, with regard to reopening. And the, you know, this is really affecting pretty much any kind of building that you can think of, commercial office buildings, certainly hospitals, long-term care, senior retirement communities, hotels, uh, even casinos. You know, when you, when you start sort of ticking through the types of buildings, you just go, yes, 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 yes. I'm going to touch upon these four sort of conceptual steps when it comes to uh, reopening safely. And, you know, most of you are all familiar with water management plans, but sometimes this piece of the water management gets missed, you know, so we want to talk about including these low flow conditions and changes in occupancy in your water management plans. And what is the role of testing for Legionella in you know, before you open, after you open, and regarding, you know, kind of your ongoing maintenance, you want to be prepared. And I love that at the beginning, you talked about being proactive, and that's been part of my vocabulary for many, many decades. You want to be proactive and respond to the challenge. You don't want to be reactive and have to react under pressure. And having a plan for disinfection is all part of that. 
And then I always want to emphasize, doesn't matter what the situation is, document, document, document. And, and the meaning of that is in part the little uh, lawyer that always sits on my shoulder, but also uh, when you have water management, uh, that's a key part of what documentation is. So we're going to kind of get to, you know, what does it mean to be in the shoes of a microbe? Why do microbes like a shutdown? And what have we learned that can be applied to this situation? So while us humans are experiencing scarcity, uh, you know, just go to the grocery store and try to find toilet paper or paper towels, right? Uh, the bacteria have everything they need in abundance in these building water systems that have been shut down. So what I say is there's a party in the pipes. You know, these bacteria are loving it in there under these conditions. And so we've got the little bacteria in the pipe there and the party hats. And I want you to think a little bit about who's at the party, right? So this is a partial list of bacteria that are present and growing in abundance in those uh, pipes and water systems that have been shut down. You know, some of these I love to say, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, Acinetobacter species, Burkholderia. My favorite, next to Legionella, of course, is Stenotrophomonas maltophilia. I love, I love to say Stenotrophomonas. easy for you to say. Yeah, well, yeah, um, but it rolls off the tongue of a microbiologist, I guess we could say. And then other organisms like non-tuberculous mycobacteria. But the big one is, of course, uh, Legionella and the one that, uh, for the most part, causes the most uh, concern in terms of human infection risk. Your folks that are treating things like hot tubs and whirlpool spas, you know, really need to be worried about Pseudomonas as well, because that's the one uh, that causes that folliculitis uh, problem for them. So what happens to water quality during a shutdown? And so I want you to think of that Tina Turner song. What's flow got to do with it, got to do with it, right? Okay, so she said, what's love got to do with it? So what's flow got to do with it? Uh, so this is logical, but many of your clients are not kind of putting two and two together. So when there's stagnant or standing water, uh, whatever disinfectant amount was in there, and, and generally speaking, it's pretty low, uh, whatever was there has decreased. And then with respect to the hot water side of a potable water distribution system, you know, you may have still the, the hot water generation set at 130 or 140, but it's not recirculating. So in the distribution, the temperature drops because it's just sitting there. It's not recirculating anymore and no one's using it. Similarly, with cold water, the cold water is not flowing. So it's not going to be cold because... It's rate, it, the temperature of that cold water is going to whatever ambient temperature there is in those unoccupied floors and buildings and rooms. And most of your viewers know that the growth range for Legionella is fairly wide. Ideal temperature is near body temperature, of course. But the, the point here is that the temperature of both the hot water and a potable water system and the cold water gets into a, a growth range that many bacteria like and will grow in abundance, right? So that's what's happening in those water systems. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you, you know, like a visual depiction of this, because it's sort of a theoretical thing. And so what is that? 
uh, the stagnant water in also increases the time or the water age. And so Legionella in this water likes to hang out with other bacteria, right? So that's called synergy. They sort of do better together as, you know, compared to a part. So these rapidly growing bacteria help Legionella to grow. And so here's the example that I wanted to give you. So imagine this vase as the pipe and imagine the flowers as the organic, you know, material sediment and dirt that's normally in pipe. Well, this example, uh, I actually did this experiment. So the water was flowing into the vase and overflowing over a three to four day period. Well, if there's no water flowing, this is what that water looks like. And then we get a little closer and it really is looking pretty nasty. Now you all have seen this, but you've never kind of connected it to that's what's going on inside the pipes and water systems of the building that just sit there. So this experiment shows you that bacteria, if they're given a nutrient source and stagnant ambient temperature water, what can happen under those conditions? And so it's pretty, pretty nasty. Now, the connection here and that synergy with Legionella is what I want to show you next. So the experiment that we did, and this was back in my early days as a young microbiologist, is what we did was we put Legionella in the auger plate and we left out the um, essential ingredient for Legionella to grow in that buffered charcoal yeast extract auger, which is an amino acid cysteine. So it wouldn't grow on its own. But if we put on top of it this other bacteria, it secretes into the auger a nutrient that Legionella needs to grow. So you can see that only the Legionella colonies in that medium are only present very close to that other bacteria. So that's the concept that these other bacteria growing in abundance are producing nutrients that help Legionella to grow as well. And Legionella certainly is growing there too. Well, there are other microbes, most of you are aware of this, in all of the water systems that we use, and that's a, a unicellular organism called amoeba. So in a no-flow or low-flow situation, you know, the amoeba is sort of grazing along, and then they go, oh, here's some bacteria, I'm going to eat them up. Well, that's what happens uh, in a low-flow condition. It's more likely that those amoeba are going to come in contact with Legionella. And then when it does eat Legionella, it thinks it's just having another bacterial hamburger, so to speak, or meal. But Legionella grows inside instead of being destroyed. And that's depicted in this video uh, from the Center of Biofilm Engineering, where Legionella, that spinning, you know, kind of activity inside there, that's the amoeba and Legionella inside. And at about one o'clock uh, on the spinning, growing intracellular organisms of Legionella, at about one o'clock on this cell is where it bursts open, you see there, and all of the Legionella that had multiplied into the hundreds are now spewed out into the water uh, distribution system. So that helps you understand just not only the relationship of Legionella with other bacteria that are growing abundantly in water, but also uh, amoeba or protozoa that are in that water.
So we want to talk also about other changes that occur in these stagnant water systems, and particularly when they are repressurized. So they've been laying there dormant, uh, you know, whatever is going on with the the scale and material that's inside the pipe, all of a sudden changes because of repressurization. So this is sort of a one of the visual pictures I want you to have in mind. And then the other is this one where you see all the, the scale and material that's on the, the sides of the pipe. And then in a dormant situation, some of that comes off. And then when repressurization occurs, you get brown water events. And I just want to also tell you that it's not just when you see brown water, you know, that's sort of the most extreme situation. Uh, but even we know that even in a glass of water that looks clear, uh, there's bacteria there as well. So the, this association with Legionella growth and spread and changes in water quality uh, and delayed occupancy was first noted by an infectious disease physician named Leonard Mermel. And he's at Rhode Island Hospital and he published this paper in 1995, and the water quality changes that he was reporting were associated with construction. And each time those water quality changes occurred, there were outbreaks of Legionnaire's disease. So the analogy is, you know, we have an analogous situation here with these dormant, uh, unopened water systems. And these were his recommendations in that 1995 paper. Culture the water system before, during, and after these shutdowns and repressurization of the water supply. Culture for Legionella should be carried out, especially if any of those areas are used by people that would be in high risk. So of the buildings that we noted before, uh, you know, you know, every time I walk through a casino, it's like there's old people with oxygen and smoking, you know, that's a high-risk group, senior retirement communities for sure. Um, also, uh, hospitals, of course, have immunocompromised people. So we have lots of people that can be at risk of Legionella uh, in these building water systems. And in terms of when to sample for Legionella in a, in a situation where there's a shutdown, you want to sample two to three weeks prior to occupancy. And this actually is also true with construction. And that two to three week period of time allows the, the culture results to come back discussion to be had with you and your client and perhaps even their water management team, and then an action to occur in response to those results. And so if they're negative, uh, on you go, no, no problem. But if they're positive, then you have an opportunity to orchestrate a disinfection procedure if that's necessary. And then he also went on to say, you know, certainly if there's any discolorization of the water, Brown water events should be reported, obviously, to maintenance personnel. And you should be aware and let your clients know, what does that brown water mean? Uh, because I don't think they would put two and two together that it means there's potential there for increased risk of Legionella. So, you know, what we're really all about here is preventing Legionnaire's disease. And so know the risk when you see it. Don't ignore it. So I think for your viewers, uh, if you are building operators and managers, uh, this webinar helps you understand where the risk is and, and what you need to be doing about that risk. And if you're the water treatment professional, then it, it behooves you to help educate your clients about those risks so that you can help them 
avoid those cases of Legionnaire's disease after reopening. So there's lots of resources for water management and, and guidance for shutdown and startup procedures, whether it's a potable water system, a cooling tower, ice machines, all of that is out there for you to access. And so lots and lots of material out there. The 2000 NASHRAE guideline, New York City and New York State have guidance for cooling towers and healthcare facilities. The ASHRAE standard 188, uh, certainly the AWT 2019 uh, guidance document, the newly minted Cooling Technology Institute guideline 159, if it's a healthcare facility, you know, you want to make sure that your clients are aware that there's requirements for risk assessment and water management for healthcare facilities. And then just published this month, uh, the ASHRAE uh, guideline update now called 2020. So all of these are available to you to help you with the details. And we are not together long enough to go through all of that today. But I will touch upon a couple of things in a couple of these documents. And certainly, ASHRAE Standard 188 is really the industry standard in terms of water management, risk assessment, and water safety plans. But we really want to focus on risk mitigation and decontamination, which are touched upon in the ASHRAE standard. But, you know, you probably heard people talk about this standard. It doesn't it tells you what to do. It's a pretty high level guidance document in terms of a standard. Uh, not necessarily what to do. And there's more information on the what and how in the ASHRAE guideline uh, 2020. And so I said it was newly minted. May 1st, it became available for purchase. So you can go to the ASHRAE bookstore and buy Managing the Risk of Legionellosis Associated with Building Water Systems and, uh, and some good bedtime reading. Uh, for you. Um, and then also, I'd say uh, some very good bedtime reading is is the Cooling Technology Institute Guideline 159. Uh, I sat on both of these committees, uh, Legionellosis Guideline, Practices to Reduce the Risk of Legionellosis from Evaporative Heat Rejection Equipment. So the Guideline 159 is a lot of detail and is very specific to cooling tower operation and maintenance. So lots of great information on startup and shutdown of cooling towers in the CTI Guideline 159. Things I like about Guideline 159, it's really performance-based approach, and it emphasizes microbial control as part of an effective water management program to control the risk for Legionnaire's disease. What about controlling? Uh, so you've gone through this process, you've cultured for Legionella, and maybe you find Legionella has had a party in your pipes. You know, what do you do? And typically it's shock disinfection. The one thing I want to tell people is they want to do flushing. And there's nothing wrong with flushing the outlets, meaning moving fresh water through the building at a periodic pace. But I want to say it's not disinfection. So it may increase overall water hygiene but it doesn't disinfect or uh, remove Legionella from the water distribution system. So you may temporarily reduce Legionella at that fixture, but Legionella is throughout the water distribution system. It's there, uh, it's within and throughout. So don't kid yourself that you've controlled Legionella risk by just flushing the water. So flushing alone does not eliminate that risk. So when do you consider disinfection and what are, is the guidance there? And so in the guideline 2020, there's two recommendations here about when to consider disinfection that I thought was apropos. 
So here's in section 5.3.2. Consider disinfection where facilities where hot and cold water temperatures that are recommended for Legionella control can't be maintained through the entire system. Hmm, that applies to shutdown, doesn't it? And then facilities where there's not a consistent measurable disinfectant residual in all hot and cold water taps. Well, first of all, you're almost never going to have a, hot, a residual of the disinfectant that comes into your building in your hot water because it dissipates with heat. But, you know, people think that if we've got a disinfectant residual at the cold water tap, uh, we're good. And most of you know that the amount of chlorine or monochloramine that comes into the building is pretty low by the time it gets there. And there's, you know, not much of a requirement in terms of code or regulatory requirement for that residual to be very high. So the point I want to make by these two things that are in section 5.3.2 in the ASHRAE 2020 guideline is this describes a shutdown situation, you know, where there's low or no flow. So you want to consider disinfection. Now, I mentioned to you that we can't kind of go through all that we want to touch upon today in terms of specific guidance, but I didn't want to leave you lacking. And so what we've done here at Special Pathogens Laboratories, we've written a white paper, which we will deliver to you electronically, uh, that talks about operation of potable water systems during this low occupancy or low flow situation, gives specific guidance about reopening the buildings uh, after the shutdown. Help you, it also helps you to address specific things that need to be in the water safety management program and plan. Uh, to address the shutdown, when and where to test, because this is not routine circumstances by any stretch of the imagination. And with regard to sampling for Legionella, this is a special circumstance. So what you might be doing in terms of sampling for Legionella on a routine basis, whether it's a cooling tower or a potable water system, this is different. And so you need a special sampling plan specific for this circumstance. Uh, you you know some some details in the white paper about disinfection as a corrective action, and that's the vernacular for water management safety plans. And then some highlights on documentation. You know you want to make sure that whatever you're doing, you document thoroughly, not only for your protection but also the protection of the building owner. You know because part of this is really exercising due diligence. And early on in our talk here, I, I talked about the little lawyer on my shoulder, which is always there, uh, kind of whispering in my ear uh, for the benefit of our clients. You know, uh, you may be called upon uh, to produce some evidence of why you've done what you've done, how effective it is, and uh, that you've done it properly. And what I also tell people is that these disinfection shock treatments, for example, uh, with chlorine, are not simple exercises. They're extremely complicated, lots of documentation that's needed to document uh, tag out of, of fixtures, of, of measured concentration of disinfectant at each fixture. Uh, so there's a lot to it. Uh, and I think it's important for uh, your clients and for you to understand the complexity of that uh, no simple task. So in terms of the road that we're on in preventing building associated Legionnaires disease, you know, this says, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Uh, we have come a long way. And uh, what I usually say is, uh, you know, my experience over many, many decades now of preventing Legionnaires disease in building water systems, I like to say, 
I'm not old, I'm experienced. And um, someday you can, you'll get to that point, uh, Trace, and you'll be able to use that phrase. I just had a birthday. I don't feel that I'm far from it. (laughs) Okay. No, you're only as old as you, as you feel. That's right. That's right. Um, And uh, so we'll be forever young, but you know, I, I, th- I have an optimistic, and most of you that, that know me know I'm a glass half full person. Uh, and there's lots to be hopeful about in terms of our ability to prevent Legionnaire's disease. And uh, one of the things uh, that gives me hope is that we're talking about it uh, as we kind of come out of these building shutdowns. So that means to me that the risk of Legionellosis associated with shutdown buildings and low occupancy is better understood today than ever before. We've got lots of outbreaks that uh, have occurred after construction shutdowns that help us understand that this is a real risk. Um, And then the other thing that gives me hope is this publication that just came out last month. And this is the uh, ASSC Professional Qualification Standard for Legionella Water Safety and Management Personnel. And you can buy this uh, from ASSC now. And what it is, is it's really important to set a minimum standard for knowledge about Legionella for people that are doing Legionella water management services. And so this sets a minimum criteria for those folks and provides a certification. So what that means is you have the standard, uh, ASSE and IATMO will have a training and a test that you pass, and you will be certified as having that basic knowledge. So this will go a long way to providing that sort of baseline uh, help in educating people about Legionella prevention. So I'm very, very excited about that. And of course, the key to prevention of Legionnaire's disease, as we say here at Special Pathogens Laboratory, is you must test to protect. Uh, there is no way to know about Legionella risk to indirectly. You know, you can't use heterotrophic plate count, you can't use pH, you can't use chlorine levels or temperature unless you were running your your system at 150 degrees, which none of them do. So you really have to test for Legionella. I'm just really excited to be working together to end Legionnaire's disease. And that's really the only way we can do it is together. So thank you so much. And of course, uh, stay safe. And thank you so much for uh, listening to my presentation. Well, Janet, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I know we've helped a lot of people. Uh, You've given us a lot of great advice, but a couple of questions have popped up since you've been talking. And one is, in a perfect world, of course, we would test at least two weeks prior to a building opening up. We're all working with building owners and managers that uh, have not been into their buildings for several weeks. The owners are now pushing the managers to get occupancy up and going. And they're thinking about things on how they're going to keep people out of their conference room or two people only in an elevator. And they're just not thinking about their water systems. What is your recommendation on how somebody like myself can get them to start thinking about that when they have so many other things on their plate that they think are more urgent? So this is what I think about. And um, I talked about this in our last newsletter is, you know, COVID is bad enough. You know, COVID affects countries. Legionella affects you, uh, affects your staff, your employees, your clients that come into your building. And then if there's a Legionella problem, it will compound your economic recovery. 
you know, it's incumbent upon us. Uh, and my mother used to say this, know your history, right? Uh, and history teaches us that if you ignore the risk of Legionella in an unoccupied space, you may pay a very, very big price. So we, you can share with them, um, you know, these outbreaks that have occurred uh, out there, whether it's a, a shutdown of a cooling tower, uh, it's a shutdown of a hotel or healthcare. Uh, we know what can happen. And the best way to prepare and to avoid bad outcomes is to do things proactively, as you said at the beginning, uh, so that you know whether there's a problem. Nobody that runs a building doesn't want to know that there's a problem with their mechanicals. They don't want to start up a cooling, well, I hope not, but maybe you can tell me differently. But, uh, you know, you don't want to start up a a cooling tower when the fan isn't working or there's, it's bent or broken. And, you know, so the analogy is the same. You don't want to start up a water system without really doing some due diligence in terms of maintenance and startup um, and then check to make sure that what you've done is effective in mitigating the risk of Legionnaire's disease. So that's the reason that you want to do it is you want to have peace of mind. You want to avoid what can be disastrous and maybe, maybe, talking about the costs of outbreaks, uh, even a single case, you know, the health department comes, shuts you down, you know, water restrictions, hyperchlorination events, the dollars escalate to hundreds of thousands of dollars in a, in a few weeks. And so this is a movie that I've seen many, many times. And it's not like Guardians of the Galaxy, like I want to watch that over and over again. Uh, it's a movie I don't want to see over and over again. And so those are the things that you can communicate and you, you might even think about, you know, some water treaters, uh, you know, sort of provide a document to the people that says, you know, I've talked to you about uh, Legionella testing and, and educated you about it. And then you sign, you uh, acknowledge that I've talked with you about it. Because uh, it's two things. You're protecting yourselves and your clients, right? So, you know, if something bad happens, you know, you're going to get blamed and you're going to be dragged into court. And I know about that because I've helped um, many of the water treaters um, that, that get into that situation, not because they've done something wrong, but because everybody gets sued when there's a lawsuit. Now you have to defend yourself. So if you've got some documentation, you know, that proves that you've done some uh, counseling about this risk and, uh, and what your recommendations are, that will protect you. And it also makes that person take pause. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm responsible for this. And uh, you're reminding me that I'm responsible for this. And now I feel a little uncomfortable saying no. Um, and you're just doing it for their own good. And you can say that, you know, I, you know, this is often an uncomfortable conversation, but I, my job is to look out for you. And this is what uh, needs to happen in order for you to be safest and the people in your building to be safest. Well, let's say we've done all that, or maybe they've started up the building before we've had a chance to talk to them. And now we've got a stagnated system that's gone back online. What do you advise we do with that? Well, you still need to know whether the risk is there, right? So you can always take some corrective action. So now you're maybe saying, okay, uh, in, in, again, the vernacular of water safety and management, 
when there is a change, the plan tells you to talk about what that change means and what should we do to make sure that the system is safe. And part of that is obviously testing for Legionella. So, so you, okay, well, all right, we're up and going. Uh, let's make sure the cooling tower, now that it's up and going and it's got its normal concentration of biocide, that uh, Legionella is under control, check. Uh, decorative water features, uh, test them, check. Uh, and certainly your hot water distribution system, check. Uh, so this is part of good water management per ASHRAE 188 for uh, general buildings and then uh, CMS and CDC for healthcare. So when we're looking at testing a stagnated system, what are the best places to test since the water's not circulating? Well, it's not that much different than uh, your what we would recommend for routine monitoring with the exception that um, you know, it's under these circumstances. So cooling towers, we always recommend every cell, if it's a multi-cell um, operation, be tested, even though, uh, you know, you might be only using one of the cells. Uh, you want to know, is the disinfectant being distributed to the other cells? Is there risk there? You know, because we've seen that movie before. And then in um, water distribution systems, you would pick representative locations. You're sampling the hot water immediate draw, um, the ice machines and things like that that may have been offline and brought back online, uh, you're usually checking those. Uh, and then, of course, you know, water features, uh, for example, if it's a casino, they have lots of those. Uh, you want to make sure that those are checked off as uh, having been checked for Legionella. Well, Janet, you've mentioned the little lawyer on your shoulder numerous times. I'm curious, does he or she have a name? <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, I'd, I'd be happy to take suggestions. So there yeah. we go. Yeah, so send those directly. Well, I can tell you that they're very well dressed. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Janet, thank you so much for sharing this information. I know you're going to join the mastermind group in just a few days where uh, they're going to ask their questions directly to you. You're doing so much to educate the community on Legionella and things that we can do so people don't have to suffer Legionnaire's disease. So thanks for all of that. And thanks for everything that you do for us water treaters. No, thank you. And it's just great to be with you. And thanks for the opportunity, Trace. And especially great to be with you because you make my day a sunny day just because you're so <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much. Skeleton Nation, I hope you got some great information from that interview with Dr. Stout. And here is the cold, hard fact. The country is starting to open up. I know that's become a political issue on one side or another. Well, folks, we're water treaters. We need to put the political stuff aside, and we need to realize that we need to get out there and help our customers make better decisions. So I think... Loaded with the information that you just heard from my interview with Janet Stout, you can have some good, clear conversations with your customers. Now, they're not thinking about a lot of these things. They're just thinking they've got to get their buildings up and running. They've got to get their facilities up and running. They're not thinking about what is in their pipes. It's up to you to help them think that way and give them some potential solutions so they're not negligent and just simply flipping the switch and bringing people back in.
So Nation, next week, we're going to hear from my friend, Mark Lewis, CWT. We're actually supposed to hear from Mark Lewis today, but I know we all needed the information on getting our buildings back up and running. So that's why Janet Stout snuck in here to our production schedule. Folks, I would love it if you could share this information with as many water treaters as you know. And any of those webinars that I mentioned at the top end of the show that would help you, please go to scalinguph2o.com, go to resources, and then go to the proactive webinar series and you know share those webinars with whoever you like. Watch those webinars. It's my hope that during this entire time, we look at what we can affect. We look at being proactive, hence the name, the Proactive Webinar Series, because the human body, the human mind doesn't easily go there. We have to force ourselves to see what we're in control of. I think by default, we just think about what we don't have control of And folks, that is a spiral down to not being very productive at anything. So folks, please help yourselves to all this information. If this sounds good to you, this all came from the Rising Tide Mastermind. So if you would like to join the Rising Tide Mastermind, or at least just find out what it is, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. And I got to tell you, I would not be in the position that I am right now had I not have been a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind. The the people in the Rising Tide Mastermind really pushed me to find new information, to share that with them. And because of that, my company, myself, got a lot of great information out of that that we were able to share. Heck, we were able to use it. Folks, Please take care of each other out there, and I will come with another brand new episode next week with a Mark Lewis episode that was supposed to air today, and I will talk to you later. Have a great week, folks.